Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, uh, Aram, and we thought we'd have a little bit of a conversation on uh, resiliency and self-care. So, you and your background as, as, a, as a, the, the trauma queen, <laughs> right? uh, you, you deal with a lot of uh, challenging situations. So uh, kind of by definition, you're, you need to have a very resilient uh, mindset. And, and, and I presume that you have a lot of self-care practices uh, along the way. So uh, quick definition, re- resilience. When, when I looked up on, on, on the Googles uh, from Oxford languages, it said that it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and, and just general toughness, right? So I think that that uh, speaks to you and your personality a little bit with all the stuff that you do. But I, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about how did you develop your resilience or did you always start with that kind of growing up or, or did it develop along the way? And, and, and how did that kind of manifest itself? Well, I can, I can say that resiliency is not something that you possess. I think it's something that you have to kind of earn over the time period mm. of life. And I okay. think that you need to have um, life experiences to shape you, to make you more resilient. What I would say about re- resiliency is more like the bounce back, mm-hmm. a being able to bounce back from um, adversity or very difficult times in their life. It could be something that's personal or professional. And I think this is how individuals grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that going into my profession my resiliency grew even more because when you work in emergency trauma services, I don't think a lot of people understand this, but when you work in a, in a department such as that, um, you know, you see a lot of things, you encounter a lot of things that are kind of the unimaginable at times. Right. And so there's people, um, there are individuals and professionals who can deal with it. And there's individuals that cannot deal with it. So that's why I say resiliency is something that you kind of have to work on, that you mm-hmm. have to acquire over a time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my simple example where I don't know if it's in the caliber of what you're dealing with, but when I was in university, I like almost failed out of my my course and my program, right? And and having grown up being kind of one of the smart kids, uh, it was tough. And, and that was kind of the, the, the extent of my trauma. So I granted, I had a fairly privileged childhood, right, as you can probably tell. Um, but but in that sense, like it was like being like, punched in the gut, punched in the face, right? Uh, because I, I've never been so close to, to failure, but it did allow me to uh, kind of bounce back and, and uh, I, I guess, spoiler alert, I, I ended up uh, doing a little bit better uh, throughout the course of my university career. But I mean, that that's a small version, or, or maybe kind of like the the, the regular person's version of resilience. Can, can you like describe some of the, the challenges or if you're willing to share some of those resilient situations that you'd have to uh, overcome um, in kind of your, your, your daily work? Because I can imagine, uh, as you said, see a lot of things that are unimaginable. <laughs> there's a lot that you yeah, have to, have to there's, get there's, you know, things, uh, you know, when you see a lot of traumas, there's people that you see things that, you know, you don't really want to see things that you probably would, you know, what you've seen in movies in terms of violence, mm-hmm. um, things that we've seen for real. Um, but I would think that what has struck a lot of healthcare professionals at this time is probably the pandemic itself, mm-hmm. especially if you are working first 
front line. Mm -hmm. And when I say first and front line, I'm talking about emergency trauma services um, because we're the first people that you see when you go in. I mean, there has been a lot of reference made to ICU and no doubt about that they do have to maintain and, and, and continue to stabilize individuals. But a lot of the COVID first comes in and any patient that comes into a hospital has to come in through an emergency department. Right. So a lot of people that we had seen were very, very sick, um, especially those that were not vaccinated. Um, and like I said, I've said this before and I'll say this again, people don't fabricate shortness of breath. These are people okay. who were not even able to speak um, where there's absolutely nothing else that could have been done except to stabilize them and put them on life support on a, on a ventilator so that they could breathe. Um, so a lot of individuals were heavily burnt out, left emergency, um, went to a different branch of nursing or just completely left nursing at, in itself um, or even left um, healthcare um, because it was too much for them. Mm -hmm. And I could say this from the beginning of the brink of the pandemic, even up until now, but I would say the first, second, and third waves were perhaps the worst mm. um, that people became burnt out um, and exhausted um, just from that. Um, resiliency is kind of always trying to see a light at the end of the tunnel, trying to always see that there must be some good out of this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, from what we've seen and from what we're dealing with in the current world situation, one could probably say and ask, well, what good could possibly come out of this? Right. And that's a valid and that is an absolute valid question to ask and consider. But, you know, when you're when you're going through a difficult time in your life, you have to have patience as well as that's the way that that I was brought up is to always have patience. And so I think that's what kind of gave me a bit of my resiliency in terms of we're going to get through this. It's one day at a time. Things don't happen overnight. Just like they mm -hmm. say, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, the resolution of this pandemic is not going to be overnight as well. It will take some time, but I don't think it's going to be overnight. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just trying to understand that we're doing our best every day and, you know, they say healthcare professionals are supposed to be heroes and, you know, and they give the absolute salute to them. And, you know, but, you know, there's only so much that a healthcare professional can do because we too, just like anybody else, are regular folks that live out in society. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's only, there's only so much that we can do and there's only so much that we can handle as well. And so that's why we take it one step at a time, one breath at a time. That's what I tell myself. And that's what I, you know, reassure my colleagues for, because it does get draining, even though, you know, we don't get as many COVID cases now. I mean, we still do have patients that are coming in and we have been warned about a new variant and that is mm -hmm. the fifth wave that's coming up, but we still have a lot of other patients that are legitimately sick that come into the department. And then there's the high influx of patients that could actually go to urgent care or family medicine clinics, but they won't have anything available for them because the only thing they have available is virtual care and that's, or a telephone console, which right. is probably not really the best form of care, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And I'd love if you can share a, a bit of um, kind of your self-care practices, because obviously that is quite 
challenging for anybody uh, to do on a sustainable uh, measure because yeah over a weekend maybe a week you, you most folks can manage that but over like months going on close to two years <laughs> at this point right where folks uh, it, it's, it's it's no wonder that uh, people are moving departments or going out of the profession altogether because uh, something that long can be definitely uh, uh, straining but uh, it seems like that you've managed to uh, kind of weather the storm at least for the most part and, and we'd love to hear uh, some of your kind of um, self-care practice that, that have been uh, particularly helpful for you to uh, keep your resilience uh, over these times. Well, I can also give an example personally where the third wave was definitely and had been, and I mean, I, I don't know what else to say in terms of the future, but so far had been the real eye of the storm, mm. um, so to speak. Um, so I was uh, faced with a heavy adversity recently where I actually lost my dad to this very disease mm. several months back. And um, he actually contracted this uh, from work where um, everyone else ended up uh, testing positive and um, he got very sick from it that he um, ended up in the ICU and he passed away. Um, So during that time period, while my father was ill in the hospital fighting for his life while on life support, I was also working alongside frontline, also caring for people who had COVID in the same mm-hmm. situation who are on life support. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, it was not the easiest. It was very difficult because part of my mind, most of my mind, um, you know, was caring for patients and doing everything for them and hoping and praying that, you know, that for those who I care for is also the same that is received from my father. Right. Um, you know, the back of my mind kept on just thinking to myself, okay, well, at the end of the shift, you know, I'm going to change up and I have to go see my dad and see what's going on there. Right. So it's, it's like I had two worlds in my mind mm-hmm. because the pandemic had a, has affected me personally um, even before that happened to my father, um, because it's very difficult to see people suffer. It's right. not an easy thing. But when it really, when it when it hits home, or when it hits to someone that you that you per, that you care about and that you know, it becomes very personal. Okay. And so, people ask me often. I'm not quite sure how you did what you did. And usually what I can say in terms of my my self-care practices is that I'm someone who is very spiritually inclined. Mm. And so I believe a lot in prayer. And I think that's what kept me going. And so to speak, kept me sane and kept me with the greatest faith and hope um, to just keep on going and going in to do my job, but also knowing that and trusting that my father was receiving the care that he needed at the time while he was on life support. So, I mean, there's people that have different forms of care. Um, 
Some are positive outlets, but unfortunately, a lot of other healthcare professionals have resorted to some very negative outlets in, in trying to cope during this time period. Right. Um, but for me, I would say that it was prayer and meditation and just trying to look at a positive outlook on things, um, even though that's not what actually had happened, but trying to just have a greater faith and, and letting that faith grow and trying to look at things from a different perspective. I think if anything, this experience had broadened my horizons a little more. And I think that even though I am a mature individual, I think that this has matured me even deeply so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and th thanks so much for sharing because I can only imagine uh, what sort of trauma that would have for, uh, for, for anyone. Like I, I don't even think I could, um, fathom it. I, I don't know if I'd have the <laughs> resiliency to be able to do uh, what you did. So, so thank you for, for your service. And uh, I'd love if you're uh, able to kind of talk a little bit more of, of some of the more, uh, maybe the tactical um, strategies or, or tips where, um, so is, is it simply just prayer? Is it like a, a daily prayer just, or, or is it multiple times a day, that sort of thing, or any particular ones, or, or you mentioned meditation as well. Like how did it, it like for some people, prayer is meditation and uh, for some people it's different, right? So um, to give folks, I guess, a couple of ideals in terms of how to incorporate that into their day, um, something as simple as, as you wake up and you, you, you say prayer, go to bed, that sort of thing throughout the day and all that sort of stuff. So, so very specific and, and tactical advice. If you can share any of that, I think that would be very helpful for folks. Well, I think what we need to understand is that any obstacle that you have within your life, this is part of your journey. Mm. And even my father, who suddenly became ill and ended up on life support, from what I had realized was that that was his journey. Mm. that was his journey in life and that was his way and so to me yes prayer can be a form of meditation but see prayer is when you have your thoughts spilling out mm. it's your utmost true emotions coming out with whatever you believe in or whomever you believe in it's going deep down in your heart, in your mind and saying what you feel and what you express. And sometimes I don't think that we can even say those things, but it's expressed and felt deeply within your heart and your mind. So even sometimes I could say prayer isn't something that you say, but it's something that is felt. Mm -hmm. And as it, it's also going on a deeper perspective of things where if you're not able to say it, but, you're, it, but it can be felt on the other end of the spectrum. Hmm. So it's, it's not, it's, it's, it may not be heard, but it's felt. Right. So sometimes it doesn't need to be said. I think that meditation is more like an introspective approach on looking at the situation at a, at, 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 a, at a glance, just looking at the situation from a different stance, mm -hmm. you know, to look at things in terms of the positive and negative aspects, the questions of what if, 
you know, what if this were to happen? Why is this happening? If you are to meditate, you have to be a, you, you need to have a complete clear mindset. You have to be completely neutral. Your emotions have to be completely neutral. This is where you're actually clearing your mind, setting aside all distractions in the atmosphere around you and just sitting and just thinking deeply about who you are currently in this moment, who you were in the past, what have you learned, what has changed and what could possibly happen in the future. Yeah, I think that's uh, amazing. I actually had a bit of a tingle as you were talking about how prayer <laughs> is, is felt because it's like, yeah, it's absolutely one where like if, if like prayer in whatever religion or, or even if you're not uh, um, religious, it could be a very spiritual experience where um, you kind of feel that, uh, I don't know if it's kind of oneness with the universe, that sort of thing, but uh, just like a, a kind of depth. Uh, I think you, you mentioned being expressed deeply is one of those things where uh, it, it's hard to explain, but when you experience it, you know it, <laughs> those types of things. And I think meditation, yeah, it's definitely one of those skills where, I mean, there's so much research coming out there of the health benefits um, physically and mentally of, of meditation. So I encourage folks to pick up a version, whatever version it is, whether it's through an app or a, a class or an online or whatever it is. Um, and sometimes as simple as, yeah, like a, a prayer is meditation or can be. Uh, and sometimes just, just being present in the moment. Uh, a, a couple of things that I've been uh, chatting with folks uh, on things like like resilience and, and the topic that comes out is, is burnout, right? People are uh, going, going, going. And, and sometimes without the commute, people are just keep on going. Um, there's no boundaries at home. So there's, there's uh, it's, it's hard to delineate kind of work and, and life. So people are kind of going and sometimes working even more than they, they could and should, right? Um, so... One of the discussions that I've had recently, actually just, just yesterday with someone is, is the concept of like life happening to you, life happening by you, life happening for you, or life happening through you, right? So taking yourself through those different perspectives where oftentimes it's, it's to you, right? Like, oh, why did this happen? All that sort of stuff. Uh, and then you, you have some agency and you take control of it and you, it's, it's by you where you're like, I'm going to change the world and do all that sort of stuff. And then it's, it's going through for you where, well, to your point about the, what is the good that can come out of this, right? And if you can take that perspective, that's definitely helpful. And then eventually it's, it's through you, right? To say, you know what, you're just here, um, you're transient <laughs> and life happens and, and is what it is. And then that kind of gets into that meditative and, and prayerful state. So what, what are your, your, your thoughts and experiences with, with, uh, with that? Or if, if that resonates with you at all? I think that, you need to experience life, whether mm -hmm. it's positive or a negative consequence. Um, you know, if you're, no matter what it is, I mean, here's the, th here's the difference though. If you're passive about things, it means you never really picked up on what actually happened. Mm. It means you're not incorporating that for the future because people, you change yourself. Only a person can change themselves. If you actually were able to make a change in yourself and learn something and incorporate that in your life's journey, then you've learned you've definitely acquired something from it. Mm -hmm. You don't just let it slide by. You have to take these life experiences and really think about them. It mm -hmm. doesn't go through one ear and out the other. You really have to sit down and reflect and say, well, I wonder, okay, so this happened. 
and why, and what can I do better in the future, you know, to make myself into a better person or, you know, did this come for the better? You know, did I actually learn something? And sometimes if you're someone that's very spiritual, it can actually deepen your and strengthen your faith, your prayer and your spirituality or your, you know, your divine wisdom or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's based on, I think the way that you explained it, where life goes through you and by you and for you is, is the, is the way that people perceive life. And you have these different types of folks out there in terms of how they perceive life. You know, some people say, okay, yeah, it just happened. Life just happened. And then there's just some people that will have some of that effect and some people become very affected and they change their lives drastically or it changes them. And so they become different people and some for the better and some for the worse. So yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense to me. And it, uh, I love what you said about being, well, more active than passive, because if you didn't learn anything from the experience, you didn't incorporate it from yourself, then the next situation, whatever happens, will probably be a version of that same thing, right? But if you've already internalized it and it becomes a part of you, like, oh, okay, it's just another one of these, and then you're more at peace in, in that whole situation. So I think that makes perfect sense to me. Um, one of the other things when when chatting about folks for about burnout is that uh, there's a quote that says something to the effect of, uh, we, we don't burn out because we do too much. We burn out because we do too little of what lights us up. So I'm wondering if, if things like, like, like prayer and meditation are, are things that, that energize you and light you up, or if there are other things that, that also do that for you as well. Well, I think that prayer and meditation is kind of like the light that, that, that keeps you there, mm. that kind of the spark that keeps you there and going. I think that's the motivation for you to do other things to keep yourself lightened up, mm-hmm. right? Um, you need to have the engine going, right? So if you think of like a car, the engine needs to go, but like it needs its spark as well for it to keep going, to go different places, to go the, the lengths that it goes to, right? So just like people, we have this light within us, this spark, this fire, but where does that motivation come from is the question for you to be motivated to do other things. Like, Yes, a lot of us have become heavily burned out from this pandemic. That's that's not a lie. That's very true. Mm-hmm. But what else keeps us going and motivated to even just continue basic survival is the next question as well, right? Or how what what light do we have within us to continue the talents that we have, like um, writing, or it could be blogging or, or vlogging, or it could be um, arts or playing musical instruments, for example, something that I like doing, what keeps us going? What keeps us engaged? You know, there has to be, a, there has to be some sort of spark or fire that's going to keep us running. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's one of the things that uh, it's very individual. Each person has their own things that, that kind of light them up and spark. So it could be something, as, as you said, as simple as, as playing some uh, musical instrument, right? Uh, I know someone who turns on their favorite song and dances for three minutes <laughs> and that'll recharge themselves for, for the day. And it can be quite uplifting uh, for, for them. Um, and I'd love if you chatted a little bit about uh, kind of what could be done for, for our healthcare workers? Cause they're, they're kind of bearing up the brunt of a lot of this that, that's happening. And I don't know if there's anything you can uh, speak about from like, like what the, we can do to help, what the government can do to help and some of the, the incentives that are, that are there for each of us to help our, our, our healthcare workers. 
So nursing in itself has always been a challenging profession, Mm -hmm. but I think the pandemic has made it even more so challenging. There's a lot of things. I mean, on all perspectives, you know, we have high turnover, staff shortages, um, you know, they're trying to make incentives to keep people. Um, they have these incentives where they have these large bonuses that they're offering in different parts of the province, different areas of Canada, or even in the United States. Um, but sign on bonuses are just basically a band-aid solution, a short-term fix for a long-term problem, because what happened after the pandemic finishes, it's still going to be an issue anyways. And I think that this is going to be a very big reflective process because a lot of things um, in terms of managing the pandemic were not done quite correctly in a lot of the perspectives of healthcare professionals, um, you know, and just um, individuals themselves probably had some pre-existing issues and, and, and personal issues that they were dealing at home. So trying to kind of balance, you know, on, on a beam or like just even on a, um, you know, on a daily basis, um, both things can be very difficult for an individual So, you know, some people have just decided to leave the profession. Some people have decided to branch off elsewhere um, just because too many of the traumatic experiences and things that they've been seeing, just even trying to manage an emergency department in general, for example, in addition to the basic emergencies that come in with COVID and everything had made it exceptionally challenging and very taxing for a lot of, for a lot of us. So I think that, I mean, they had initially offered um, EAP, which is an employment assistance program with only free, like several free sessions, but how much can that do for a, you know, for, for a pandemic that we have no clue how long it's going to be running for, right? Indefinitely. We don't know, right? Because we have new variants running. We have, you know, it's ever so evolving. This is such a novel virus. It's ever so evolving. We don't know how long it's going to be running for. So, you know, I think what another problem that we've been having is a pandemic within a pandemic, which is the mental health issues. We've not mm-hmm. only seen with patients coming in at triage and the amount of domestic violence and abuse that's been happening um, and that surge coming in. But guess what? We've got another pandemic. It's our healthcare professionals that have mental health problems. Right. Um, if they've had anxiety. It's probably going to exacerbate it even worse. Um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Is that possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. The things that we've seen, like I've said earlier, are unimaginable to any human eye. So, I mean, a lot of these individuals try to de-stress by doing things that they usually enjoy. But of course, there's the restrictions and, you know, um, the possibility of another lockdown and whatnot. You know, if you're someone that used to go to the gym and then you're restricted from doing that, well, what can you do to, to improvise that, for example? Um, or if you're someone that goes out for a run, well, if you can't really be going out in public in these areas, well, what can you do to kind of improvise for that? Um, what they have done as well, or what the government has done is they put out a new incentive. I think it's about $12.4 million that they're putting out there, um, to provide and offer programs for healthcare professionals. Um, but I, and I think that's a great idea but i think that's also very long overdue because this has been happening since the it's gotten worse since the brink of the pandemic so i think this should have been introduced quite some time ago um and even though it's a great idea i again like i think that it it should have been introduced when the pandemic happened um i think that's what else has increased the stress of healthcare professionals is the um 
the fact that we have more turnover and short staff. And this is not only at one hospital, this is actually across a lot of hospitals, including the United States, where you have mandates put in for mandatory vaccination status of healthcare professionals. And now you're having this mass exodus of healthcare professionals who refuse to get the vaccine. And so they're leaving the profession. It's like, well, then who are you going to refill, right? So you have individuals that are working not only on top of a 12 hour shift that's already difficult as it is that are pulling 16, 20 hours, it's very hard. Um, so, you know, like when you have a lot of these problems going on and in addition to that, you know, when we have overcrowded emergency departments, we don't have enough beds, bed space accommodations, trying to surge people and then there's not enough. Um, we have patients that are irate at triage. We have to deal with a lot of um, crisis interventions, nonviolent crisis interventions and preventions. Well, what do you do about that? You know, and then nurses become sick and tired, so to speak, or healthcare professionals get sick and tired of the abuse on healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And even you probably, I'm sure a lot of people have known and heard about the protest rallies that are going outside of hospitals mm-hmm. and how healthcare professionals are being harassed, whether it's physical or verbal assault on healthcare professionals. Um, however, what has been also put in place for that recently is the legislation on um, that, that they're introducing that if anyone is to assault or harass a healthcare professional, that they're going to be charged for that. So I think, again, this is something that is good. But again, why was this not, the question is, is why was it not introduced earlier on? Because this has been ongoing for quite some time. It's that it's just been exacerbated even worse during a pandemic because there have been more issues arising during this time period, including those um, regarding vaccination mandates and masking and just, just, to, just to name a few, so. Yeah, and what speaks to me on this is, is, is you mentioned uh, earlier about like, well, what it can be good about this and, and, and maybe shining light on all these uh, kind of systematic things and, and things that should have are long overdue and should have been done before. Maybe that's a, a small array of hope for, for all of that stuff. But obviously, that's not uh, good, good necessarily compensation for, for all the challenges that po- folks have uh, faced, but at least uh, it's something there. And if we can end off maybe on a, on a high note uh, in respect to things like self-care for others and taking care of each other throughout the process. So, so what are your thoughts around that and what, how have people helped you? How have you helped others uh, during these challenging times? Well, as always, nurses have, um, in order to be a nurse, you have to have a form of empathy and patience to have to care for patients and their families. What we ask is that we do realize a lot of individuals are very frustrated, especially with the pandemic. And of course, there's that in, inner fear of, of contracting it and so forth. We ask that, um, you know, to, to understand and bear patience with us um, as we are doing our very best. Um, in terms of helping ourselves to each their own in terms of coping. Um, Mm -hmm. If healthcare, if you're a healthcare professional that's out there, if you're someone that's trained to be a healthcare professional and you're feeling stressed out, do what you do usually to de-stress and to attempt coping, whether it's prayer meditation, riding a bike, doing some art, reading a book, writing, journaling, listening to music, dancing for two minutes, dancing like no one's watching you, whatever the case is, that's important. if you feel unsafe meeting people in public, try to do it virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're someone that already has a pre-existing mental health condition, and this is for anybody out there, 
um, you know, and you, and you feel that you need someone to talk to, talk to someone that you feel that you can confide in. They now have services available, um, you know, for everyone. If, and, and that's, you know, and it's because of the safety of individuals, whether it's for myself, it's for a colleague, a family member, friends, or just anybody out there, you know, if you feel, um, if, if you're feeling really depressed, really low, um, you know, to a point where it may hit a concerning level, contact professional help, mm-hmm. come into the hospital if you have to. That's what we're here for. That's what we're there for. That's what we, I mean, we go through it ourselves, but we're there to help you as well. Um, in terms of the general public, like in terms of how can we deal with what's going on? Again, try to cope with it in the best way possible, but also do your part too. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't go get vaccinated. Number one, get vaccinated. Um, and number two, continue hand hygiene practices, just basic infection control procedures, washing your hands, keeping sanitizer on you, um, mask. Um, don't go to highly crowded areas, only go out for essentials. I've, as I've outlined this again and again, yes, I realize that there aren't very many people that are infected, but the infections can still rise if, you know, I mean, you know, there are some people that are vaccinated that will get it, but it's a very mild to a lighter form of it, as opposed to someone that's unvaccinated who will get more severe symptoms and right. have to end up being hospitalized. So, I mean, yes, I understand that are people being vaccinated, but please don't be so loose about it. And please don't just say, okay, yeah, we have to toss all these things out of the window. Like we can't, we don't have to wash our hands anymore and mask. That's not true. Mm-hmm. With his, historically speaking, pandemics run for quite some time. So we need to have patience and we need to just kind of give it some time. And of course, with the new variant out, we have to be very weary and very cautious about, you know, what to do next and how we need to handle this one, right? Because like I said, everything is ever so evolving. We need to understand how to prevent that transmission or lower the transmission rates. So that's what I myself say, but that's what I can say on behalf of all my colleagues as well. That's what we're asking of the public. For sure. So uh, just stay vigilant because we're, we're not at the end yet. Uh, still keep all of your um, sanitation and care exercises uh, there and especially the, the mental wellness ones, right? So like you said, dance, like nobody's watching if, if that's your thing, like whatever it is that that's sure. And um, yeah, I think it's one where take care of yourself, take care of others if, if you can manage that as well. And uh, we'll all get through this and, and we'll be all stronger in the process and uh, we'll all definitely learn a few things and uh, we better or else it'll hit us again later on for the time we didn't learn. So thanks, Aaron, so much for joining us and uh, having this discussion on resilience and, and self-care and hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Thank you so much. It was my great pleasure being here. Take care. You as well. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.